0: Peloton's best offer of the season is here. Get up to $600 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that's right for you with accessories like our cycling shoes, a heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. If you've been looking for a sign to join Peloton, this offer gives you everything you need to get going. This limited time offer ends December 6th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December
1: 6, 2022. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.
2: Talk Entertainment. Here's your host, Isaac Hammons. What's going on, guys? Welcome to season one, episode five of Let's Talk Entertainment. I'm your host, Isaac Gammons. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We got a great episode for you guys today. It's kind of long, so I hope you guys will stick with it to the end. We have three great interviews for you today. We're gonna start off with Lauren leather out of Boston. Then we're going to shoot down to Houston, Texas and talk to Mackenzie Finkley. Then we're going to jump back all the way up to New York City and talk to Nerdy G. So I hope you guys will enjoy this one. But first, let's start it off with Lauren Steichlund. Lauren, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm very happy to be here.
2: Yeah, for sure. So, I have to ask, how do you say your last name?
1: <laughs> it's Stike Leather. Everyone okay. asks. That.
2: <laughs> I saw it and I was like, I'm not going to try it till I ask. And so, Stike Leather. Uh, I guess that's how it reads. Uh, so, yeah. So, it's really great to have you here. Uh, so, you're a poet, correct?
1: Yes. A mining poet. Yes. Okay.
2: So, can you take us through exactly what that entails?
1: Sure. So I've been writing, so I'm 23, I've been writing since I was for my whole life, but I've been doing the specific kind of writing since I was probably like 18. And obviously, you know, poetry is an outlet for, for anyone. Um, but for some reason, I like, I love to make cards for people and kind of in doing that, I like to get a little like, I guess the word is like, you know, funky with words and like play around with them. And in doing that, I kind of ended up rhyming, like just to like for birthdays and whatever. And then I ended up realizing that I can also make this something where I can, you know, express my emotions in a more mature way. That's not like a silly card. And it's actually like a real piece of work. Um, And I kind of discovered that as the years went on. So kind of going through college and a lot of like life changes that that entailed, um, I started writing. So in terms of rhyming poetry, I mean, like really set, like Um, rhyme and rhythm. So they kind of vary in length, I would say between like 200 and 400 words, which is decently long for poetry. If you think about the really small chopped up modern day poetry that a lot of us see on social media, Um, it's more like long form, but it's like um, pretty structured. All the syllables are like very structured and it it reads really um, fluently. Like you can go from beginning to end. You really don't want to stop anywhere. Um, So you kind of like go from top to bottom. That's the idea. You don't stop and like think about it. You kind of just read the whole thing through. Does that answer the question?
2: (laughs) Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, So getting into poetry, how did you come about, I guess, getting into poetry and what influenced you in that manner?
1: So I don't know. I used to journal and that didn't like quite satisfy me in terms of like, you know, self reflection and stuff. So poetry, obviously, it's more abstract. Um, and like I said, I kind of like honed my own style as the years went on. Um, and I stumbled upon rhyming, like the, like the most distinct moment I can think of is, um, when my Nana passed away and my uncle was like, I really would like to commemorate her memory somehow. I'd like to write a children's book, um, in her honor. And, um, she had always loved, um, picking up heads at pennies. So we, he said that he wanted to write a story about a boy named Henry who, you know, discovered the luck of good luck pennies as he grew up. And I kind of sat down and I just, this story just kind of flowed out of me in all rhyme. I didn't plan for it to happen. It just seemed like it was going to work that way. And I read it to him and he was like, I really didn't expect you to write the whole thing. I kind of wanted to have a say in some of it. Um, <laughs> this is great. And in reflecting on like what good luck meant in that story, I guess, that's when I kind of touched on the more emotional, mature piece of it. Cause I talked about good luck and that it's like, you know, about more than like money. It's about like love sounds cliche. It sounded better in the form of the poem. Um but that sort of the ending of that story was the beginning of my career as a rhyming poet.
2: Okay. Yeah. I, that's really awesome. Uh, Thank you. Sorry to hear about your Nana. Um, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's awesome. And just being able to write that in her honor is something you can always cherish. And I know that, that's really cool and really special. Um, what? influencers like people do you draw from when you write your poetry like what do you base it off of is it something that you personally come up with uh or do you like pull pieces from different people
1: That's a great question in terms of poets i'm inspired by um people have asked me this question before and i always say dr seuss not for like his themes or anything but for the rhythm and like the structured verses that he's got. Um, obviously like I don't make up words or characters and mine aren't really stories of any kind, but just like that kind of rhyme and rhythm um, in terms of like actual like ideas, like Rupi Carr kind of set, I would say like a tone for modern day poetry. I'm not I'm not sure if you're familiar with her work. She's, she's, it's, she's all about the short verse with a lot of meaning and She's very famous and I like a lot of her ideas. Okay, A lot of them resonate with me. She's also a young adult woman. So kind of taking some of those ideas, but I would say most of my writing is inspired by just things I see and like experiences I've had, which I can pretty much guarantee most poets would say that in some way, whether it's like I'm writing through someone else, like I watch someone go through something and then I internalize it and write about it or I personally go through something. Um, in my book, it's kind of broken down into like different categories of inspiration, like the stereotypical, like love heartbreak I go into, but I, I would like to think it's in a slightly less cliche way, um, just because of the structure and also the way I kind of lay out the chapters. Um, but a lot of my book is about like kind of bouncing back from tougher times. So, um, That inspiration is mostly from my own life experiences and just like observances of other people's lives.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I was just getting ready to ask you. My next question was about to be about your book. So I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, Tell me what it's like to uh, publish or come out with your own book, um, just from the writing process and just that feeling of creating something that's your own. Uh, What was that like for you?
1: it was surreal, I guess is the first word. Even sometimes I'll look over to my bedside table because I always have one copy of my book over there and I'm like, that's my book. (laughs) Um,
2: (laughs) That's great.
1: And so, yeah, like as a kid, a a lot of kids are like, I want to be an author one day. I want to write my own book. And like, When I was young, I used to take paper and staple it together and call it a book and be like, I wrote a book, mom, but (laughs) to go through the whole process and understand, first of all, how difficult it is. And second of all, to like, just to be able to hold it is so it's such an accomplishment. Um, Doing the publishing was probably the hardest part because for me, I wrote and wrote and wrote for all these years, maybe I think it's four years total, maybe five to go into this book. And there was no pressure on me because I wasn't writing to write a book. I was just writing for myself. And eventually it accumulated into a collection that I felt was worthy to share in the form of a book. But the polishing process was on a clock and you had to do these edits and you had to do all these steps in a timely manner. So that was definitely the hardest part. But if having the big goal at the end of like, I'm going to be an author and be able to hold my own book, kept me going. Um, but the process was not easy. So. Right.
2: Yeah. I think that's, that's totally, um, I feel with I feel for you with that, through that, um, just the sense of pride and coming out with something that's your own, uh, creation is, um, something to be proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, I know as I'm a musician, some too, and, uh, just the fact that, Going and doing performances, and then watching video of it later is just like, yeah, I was doing that. That was me. We were having a great time. So I know that pride feeling and uh, just that sense of accomplishment. Uh, just talking about accomplishment. Uh, going off on that, uh, what what is one of your main goals for the next, say, five to ten years?
1: With the book, or just in general in just, my life?
2: Just in general uh, through your poetry and writing just anything
1: so I would say there's there's two the first is um to gain a wider audience for the book I've seen and gotten so much positive response from people in close circles and like in like you know second and third circles where people have passed it along but it's so hard especially in a pandemic when you can't do conventional like go to a bookstore and have a signing and just like, you know, get it out to strangers. Like you would normally be able to just somehow, and I'm still brainstorming how to get the wider audience and obtain like just more notoriety and, and really have my book, like touch more people. Cause the reason I wrote it is so that it could, you know, help people like on their darker days or like, like my target audience is young women. So like my goal for this was to have like a young woman be able to pick up this book when she was having a tough time in like any facet of her life. There's always a poem you can read that would help you along in your day. So to kind of have it be able to reach more people just for that would make me so happy. Um, Or even just like to do like a few book signings or to have a small little book tour. that's not virtual, you know? I'm so tired of the virtual stuff. Uh <laughs> just, just traction. I guess that's the goal. Okay. And then also, obviously, like, people have asked me if I wanted to write another book. I would love to write another book. If Five to ten years is a long enough timeline where I could say I would love to write another book in five to ten years. I don't want to give myself a timeline because then I stress out and then I get writer's block and I can't do anything. Um, but that would be a second goal.
2: Okay, yeah. You said that you wrote your book just to be able to help somebody. I think that's awesome. Uh, I know a lot of people are going through a tough time, even through this pandemic. Mm -hmm. And even this this past year with the uncertainty of say jobs and uh, Mm -hmm. not being able to travel places, um, see family, not for a long time, long periods of time. I know that really hits hard with some people and just having that um, place that they can go to release and just not worry about anything um just just to sit and focus on something that they enjoy is really great so i think that's a really great thing to for um writers and musicians and such i think that's really big especially during this pandemic Uh, but yeah as for a wider audience i think that's huge um it is really hard to get out there, especially again with the pandemic. <laughs> it's, it's just trying to get out there, and that was that was the whole reason I started this podcast. Um, is just I wanted to meet people. Um, I love different types of entertainment and just music, uh, dance, writing. Uh, just being able to talk to different people around the world and around the country about their form of that. And just being able to bring all that together in one place and just say, hey, there's other people that do this um, like this and be able to check that just to be able to cross paths. Um, So, yeah, I think that's really important. Um, I will check out your book. I'm not a young girl, but I will check it out. It's for
1: everyone. (laughs) I just say that so that people aren't like with the love and the heartbreak. They're not like, oh, is this for me? The back half, I would say, is definitely more for like the wider audience. For Um, sure yeah
2: <laughs> but yeah I, I'm excited to go check that out um talking about checking out your book where can people find your book and where can they get a copy of it
1: so it's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble online and also Kobo for anyone that does like e-readers um and the ebook and the paperback are available on Barnes and Noble and Amazon but I've done a lot of work to get it in um Bookstores mostly in new england just because that's where i'm from i'm from boston so i'm in 26 bookstores um, wow. in new england and then one in florida um that's awesome so it's pretty cool and i've done my absolute best to go and sign as many as i can that are near me so a lot of them are signed copies not that i'm not famous but <laughs> maybe they'll be worth something someday hopefully uh, yes we can only hope so yeah A lot of Barnes and Nobles in the New England area specifically.
2: All right. So be sure to go check out Lauren's book at Barnes and Noble and getting it on Amazon and all that. Uh, (laughs) Be awesome. Really excited for that. Uh, Looking over my notes here, because I have a lot of different random questions for random people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What if you were to meet, say, some, a group of, aspiring authors poets and just people in general that want to get into writing and don't know how to what what advice do you think would be best to give them
1: so if i talk to a young group of poets i would say i would say to strike when the iron is hot is my like biggest piece of advice that meaning like when the inspiration is there like run with it sit down and just run with it. Doesn't have to be perfect. Doesn't have to be anything that like anyone else might even understand, but just like getting words on paper is getting you farther than not. Um, and in times of writer's block, I have to remind myself of that. Cause I'll go through periods where I don't write anything worth anything for months. I'm in one right now. Um, <laughs> and it's super frustrating, but just, even writing down thoughts that don't rhyme still help me to think of thoughts that do rhyme eventually. Um, and to not bind yourself to any specific kind of writing. Because even though my preferred style is that, I'll still do journal entries or just like freeform poetry just as a, a means of inspiring myself. Um, so I would say, yeah, strike when the iron's hot and be open to all forms, all opportunities within the realm of writing.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think that's great. Um, advice Um, talking about going through periods of different writers block and not knowing what to write not knowing uh what to say and what how to put it together how do you work through that and like as author and writer just how do you break through that barrier
1: that's a good question i've been (laughs) trying to to work on this recently um i i always try not to force it because when I do, I end up probably just scratching everything out. Um, With rhyme, it's particularly difficult to get out of a writer's block because you want to not sound the same like you have in all your other poems that also rhyme and use the same words. Like, you know, think of the word like, oh, I'm trying to think, like top, I don't know. You got shop, hop, flop. Like, I don't use words that are that simplistic. (laughs) But to think of words that are, you know, eloquent and mature enough that aren't repetitive of something you've already done makes it even harder to think of a new and unique idea when you're writing it. So that's been my issue. I have a whole book of 180 pages of rhymes that I made my absolute best effort to make so different from each other. And then trying to expand upon after all of that newness that does not say the same words is super hard. So I think just talking to people was something that I did when I went through the writing process with like the program I did for publishing was to do interviews, which I thought was kind of stupid for poets. Um, just because I'm like, I don't need to interview people. Like it comes from my life, but really if you dive into a topic with somebody and you get their perspective and it's different from yours, like inspiration comes from that. And by getting different perspectives, you're inherently going to get new inspiration, new words that come about that you haven't used before, like new rhyme schemes. Um, This weekend, I actually wrote my first poem in in a few weeks, and it's definitely different than anything I've written. And it's literally just like thinking differently, having different conversations. So I would say that just also it's hard with COVID because you can't live normally, you can't interact normally. (laughs) So just- living um is great for writer's block um hard to do that when you're not but um yeah just changing perspective from time to time
2: yeah for sure uh yeah that that's really great um hopefully you can get out farther out of your writer's block (laughs) yes hopefully (laughs) start writing more uh what would you say personally is your favorite part about being a author
1: um t- uh telling people I am one <laughs> does that count no I no, mean yes, yes and no um favorite part about being an author is is holding my book like I'm holding my book and it's my book and um just going through the book and like you know reflecting on how long it took and how much went into it and just like And just literally having it in front of me and being able to give it to people and just say like, I wrote this, this is my, my work. And even there's some illustrations in the book just for each chapter. And a lot of people were like, you should get someone to draw the pictures. And I'm like, no, I want it to just be my name on the front of the book. No one else's name gets to go on the front of the book. So um, just having something that is so mine and will never be taken from me. And is out there in the world in the hands of you know a few hundred people at least um it's just a proud thing um, right part. yeah
2: yeah so I'm really excited now that you said there were pictures so that's yes. kind of book <laughs> <A few.
1: laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll just kind of look through the pictures and be like oh this is great yeah <laughs> but uh so on the flip side of that what would you say is your least favorite part
1: it that's that's a hard question no one's ever asked me that before the least favorite part of being an author is trying to prove yourself to others as an author I would say because it takes a lot of like boldness and stride on the line of being too confident and not confident enough and pushing the boundaries and I'm not someone who's super comfortable being in people's faces about stuff like that all the time. So trying to get it, get the word out without being overbearing and annoying. Um, it's, it's a challenge and a frustration. And it is, it's, it's a good thing when it, it works, but when it doesn't work, or like a bookstore is like, we can't carry this because that's happened a lot to me. Kind of that rejection piece of it where if someone doesn't like it or doesn't want to carry it, that's hard. And it's, it's a great learning process though, to, to, to face rejection, to deal with it, to go about how to go around it. Um, that was probably my least, that's probably my least favorite part of it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I know rejection is really hard, but just the, the effect that it can bring to you to make you strive to work harder for it is, uh, is really a stepping stone in the right direction. Uh, it may feel like it's, Taking you in a completely wrong direction but in the end it'll probably yeah like take you to where you want to be so I think that's huge um, I know it sucks but <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh so trying to talk about getting a broader audience uh where can we like do you have social media that we can like follow you guys or just listen or just in general yeah. like, i have
1: i have an instagram um and i'm not someone who's super into twitter um maybe that would help me i don't know instagram's (laughs) kind of my main uh social media account it's mixing pot of poems is my username and on there i post um mostly like short excerpts of my work because my theory is that people have such a short attention span on social media no one's gonna read my poems in long form and scroll through multiple things with a lot of words on it. So I do the short blurbs to give people like a taste of what the bigger picture is. Um, and I I do it with photos I take. It's all my all my photos, all my words. Um, and then that's kind of how I showcase my work, um, just indigestible bits on Instagram. And that is, that is all, and I have a website as well. Um, Or my book is available to order and it's a little about the backstory of my book and my writing process uh and the specific bookstores that it's found at
2: okay yeah we'll be sure to follow you on instagram and hope everybody else will go out there and follow you and just check on what you're coming out with uh do you have any other besides going through writer's block (laughs) do you have any uh Uh, new works in the making or what is there any plan to create another book
1: so yes so I I've been writing whenever something inspires me I think I am nine I have nine poems that consider worthy of being in a next book thus far which is decent considering that there's 70 poems in my first book. So that means I'm like almost one seventh there. <laughs> We're really <laughs> counting. <laughs> I'm not counting though for my own sanity. Um, and I've realized that the poems that I've started writing after my book um, have been based on other people. So like one was for another author who published a book at a similar time as me. One was for my dad. Um, and A lot of it's just kind of about, I don't know, I feel like we all have so much time to think in quarantine and I work remotely and I sit in my room all day and I work. (laughs) So a lot of them have been about, you know, finding your own success and what success means to people, which I touched on briefly in this book, Um, but it's definitely seems to be like a larger point of inspiration for like this next round of work, at least right now. So I would say that's kind of in the works.
2: Okay. Yeah. So uh, through writing, I know uh, different writers uh, do it for different reasons. I know some people do it for uh, as a way to express themselves. Um, some people do it as uh, just a creative outlet. Um, why do you think you decided to start writing?
1: I would say as it became, it was started as a point of expression. Okay. Um, just for me, I, and sometimes if I felt it was good enough, I'd share with like a friend or something, but it was really just for me. And just to get my feelings out in a way that empowered me and kind of made me feel better because the way I structure my poems, like the last line is kind of like the kicker. I've said this before, and it's just kind of like, it's <laughs> supposed to like, it's supposed to make anyone reading it feel better. And it also makes me feel better when I think of it. And I'm like, yes, I just, I did it. Like I closed it. Like I wanted to. Um, and so that's kind of the, that expression piece of it. Like with writing with finality, writing with like a point to make myself like, you know, kind of come out of a rut, but also for creative expression, because I get such satisfaction from completing a poem just because of the, this, the scheme of, of my style, like putting, making sure all the puzzle pieces fit together is so it's such a point of pride for me. So, to be able to do that just puts me in an automatically better mood. The creativity that comes with it, like, I want to share with as many people as I can when I finish one. Like, I'll go running into my parents' room, or like, if I'm with roommates, I'll go share with them. Anyone who will listen, just kind of, just I kind of want to share. I don't know. I, I love to like, um, just share my thoughts with people, and it, it brings me a lot of just happiness to see people's reactions, which is why I love to do like, birthday cards because despite the fact that i write in a mature form for my book like i um will always go back to to my roots of just like doing personalized poems for people and seeing the reaction is probably the best thing of doing something like that i would say because anything that's personalized is automatically the best i think yeah
2: Yeah, i think that's great um what do you think your writing has made you a better um, author and just going through over time through the process of writing your book uh, do you think that's made you stronger in your writing Um, and how do you
1: think I would say absolutely if we we had this conversation a year ago when I was just kind of starting the publication process not even I had so in my publishing process I believe I had I think five editors um, for different amounts of time at different points in time. And the first manuscript I submitted to my first editor was just nothing like what ended up in my book. And thank God for that. Because like, I thought it was great. And it needed so much work. And like, no writer wants to admit that their writing is flawed. But like, after enough editors tell you enough things you're like okay I got to work on this like and those are things I've taken with me into future writing so that I I don't make those mistakes off the bat for example like clarity of ideas so sometimes when I used to write and sometimes I'll try to stop doing this but if if I have to I will like to make something fit the rhyme scheme I'll force an idea and that doesn't work because if people are reading something they don't understand it it's not going to resonate with them so if you're forcing an idea that just it's just not helpful as a writer. So that's something I learned to like I just really learned to be direct. through um, my next editor this was this most stressful point in my entire publication process I got back a document from this woman who looked over my whole manuscript without speaking to me first. that was her job and gave me basically a grid of every single poem in my manuscript graded on seven different criteria. So 70 by seven grid and anything that needed work was in a red box. And there was definitely a decent (laughs) amount of red boxes. And I like needed to close my computer for a second and be like, this is going to be (laughs) fine. Oh my gosh, this is horrifying. But a lot of her stuff was like, it was rhythm things, it was idea things, it was, is this poem an outlier in this chapter? And if so, you're probably gonna need to get rid of it. Even though it's a good poem, it doesn't fit the theme of this chapter, which is something I had to also learn. Um, cause there was some ones where I was really attached to them because I liked the message, but the message fit nowhere, anywhere. Um, and then my last editor, big editor came in cause I had a copywriter and a proofreading editor at the end, but the big, big one was my, um, marketing and revisions editor who came in and changed my rhythm and cut out all my filler words, which as someone who's so committed to rhythm, like totally threw me for a loop. I was like, what are you doing? She took out that's and the and's and the so's and the just's, which were like, I thought I needed them in there. And after I read my work back a different way, I realized they didn't. And then it flows so much better with less words. And this is a weird thing that happened, but I was more, once she opened my eyes to that, I was super aware of these filler words I'd been using. So right when I was about to f- submit my final manuscripts, I control F'd, you know, you can select all the words of the same. And I did the word all, which is a filler word that I tend to use for like syllable counts. And I had 126 alls in my manuscript. And I'm like, that seems excessive. And right before I submitted <laughs> it, I went through and deleted 36, which, is, it was a big chunk of those all, and they didn't even need to be there. So just writing concisely and writing directly was the two largest things I took out of the publication process. And that is something I will totally carry with me in my future of writing.
2: For sure. I think that's great. Um, We're really, we'll really be following you and really excited to see where you go from here. Uh, The only way to go is up. Uh, So looking forward to what you come out with next. Uh, We'll be sure to go check out the book. Uh, I'm really excited to go read it and just see what it's all about. So be sure you guys go out and read the book. Um, I know I'm going to. And so Lauren, thank you for coming and just talking with us a little bit about your book and just your writing process. It really, really opens eyes to poetry.
1: Sure thing. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
2: Yeah, of course. So we'll be looking forward to your next work. Um, go follow you on Instagram. We'll put your uh, handle in the description also so people will be able to find you better. Um, so, yeah, thanks for joining us.
1: No problem.
2: Special thanks to Lauren Stackleather for coming on the show this week. Just be sure to go check out her book on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. Next, we're going to be moving into our second interview of the week with Mackenzie Finkley. Hey, Mackenzie, thanks for coming on the show.
0: Glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, So we're just going to sit and talk about what you do uh, in your field. Um, So you're an anthropologist, correct?
0: That is correct.
2: Can you give us a little bit of uh, background of what you do, um, what you do with your job and what all that entails?
0: Absolutely. So I got my degree in anthropology, and uh, that kind of makes me an anthropologist by virtue of all of the work and research that I have done. Um, what I have chosen to do with that degree and all of that research is become an author and a writer.
2: All right. So as an author and writer of, in, in studying anthropology, uh, what does that entail like what what is anthropology because I don't really know and I don't think a lot of people will know uh so could you just share a little bit about that
0: that is a great question and admittedly when I first started um studying anthropology I wasn't entirely sure what it meant either um I had heard a lot of different things I had heard um like Indiana Jones right not quite uh I had heard like Jane Goodall um which is absolutely that is correct um And anthropology is a multifaceted field. It has four primary fields of study, but uh, the ultimate definition that you're probably looking for is um, what is anthropology? It is the study of humans and human cultures and humanity. Um, So all things people. The four primary kind of subfields that you can divide anthropology into is biological and physical anthropology. Um, that's going to be the study of humans how they're built how they move then you have linguistic anthropology which is all of the languages we speak the history of them over time um, how we form words in our mouths vocalizations Uh, there's cultural anthropology so that's the studying of human cultures and often you'll find these kinds of anthropologists going and living amongst um, very specific cultures of people in very specific regions of the world for multiple years at a time and kind of cataloging what they experience. Um, and then finally, you have archaeology as one of the main fields of anthropology. And this is the studying and excavation of human cultures, especially those ancient and long past.
2: Wow, that's very um, in-depth uh, job. I'd I've never, I've never really uh, say I never really dove into what that actually was. So thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, It's really great to hear. So uh, what, as an author, how do you go about writing uh, your books and papers and memoirs or whatever, um, even in your inside your own field?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So being an author is not an easy feat. <laughs> um, and I am an independently published author. And I find you know, being author as owner very freeing, very fun. Um, and it's a really great way to apply my knowledge. My first book, Beyond the Halls, An Insider's Guide to Loving Museums, Um, is an accumulation of a lot of the research that I've done about museums, uh, the history of them and displays of human culture, which is where my specialty particularly lies. And um, it also was kind of written to fill a gap that I felt was out there in kind of the, the books and entertainment, which was there were all of these books about museums that were textbooks for museum students. And then there were all of these books that were guidebooks for visitors, tourists and stuff for very specific cities and very specific museums. But there wasn't really a happy medium that was able to kind of address maybe both things, something that's kind of a an introduction to museums for anyone who's ever thought about them or not thought about them.
2: Oh, yeah. OK, so we'll be sure to go and check out your book. Um, I know I'll be interested to read it, um, so I'll give me a copy. Um, Is there anywhere we can find you to get in contact with you, say Facebook or Instagram, just to get a feel for what your work is and how you do it?
0: Absolutely. I make sure to have a very established internet presence um, because I like to interact with people and talk about museums and human cultures and memes (laughs) um, as much as possible. So you can find me at my website, mackenziefinkley.com. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook And, um, also I write on medium as well. You can find my book on Amazon. You can find it on Barnes and Noble and pretty much anywhere that books are sold.
2: All right, cool. Uh, so just a fun question. Uh, what would you have, what would you say is one of your favorite parts about your job?
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. So my primary day-to-day job, besides writing, another thing that I've taken to doing is being a publishing coach. So now I like to help first-time authors who are looking to independently publish, um, market, sell, produce, name, and organize um, their own books, particularly nonfiction books. And I think what I enjoy most about that is it's incredibly fulfilling to help other people realize their dreams and organize their thoughts. And um, there's just so much exchange of gratitude that um, it, it leaves me feeling really good at the end of the day.
2: Yeah, I know it's really, uh, especially for people that don't really know uh, how to do a, cra- a certain craft uh, very well. I think it's important for them to have somebody coming behind them that does do it and can help them uh, show them the ropes. Um, I think that's very important. So thank you for that. On behalf of all people that you've helped with that, um, I know they probably appreciate it. and I appreciate your hard work for that. Um,
0: Absolutely. And nobody writes a book alone. That's the honest truth. Um, it is an effort that requires many people, many hands, and a lot of great work, heart and soul put into it. A lot of times people imagine writing as this very solitary thing where it's just the writer, a piece of paper and a pen, or a typewriter,
1: <laughs> if you're
0: you know, wanting to travel back in time, um, or you know, just a writer sitting alone in a room in front of their computer. Um, but the truth is the writer produces the craft, and then there are about five different people with the title editor included in their name that go in and help you make it sound really professional, look really professional, um, and just make it into this really unique and wonderful work. And then, of course, there's all the people supporting you along the way, whether they're professional coaches or their, you know, friends, family, loved ones, supporting the writer and helping them achieve their goal, which is publishing an actual book.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so thank you to everybody out there that's um, been in the support with, for somebody. Um, thank you for not crushing dreams and helping <laughs> somebody push their dream forward. Uh, I know that's really huge. Um, So talking about museums, uh, how has COVID really affected uh, the operation of the museum?
0: Absolutely. Yes. COVID has had a massive impact on the museum industry. So I released my book, An Insider's Guide to Loving Museums, um, in December of 2019, So if we're thinking back to when this all kind of started, um, most museums were shutting their doors um, for indefinite closures in March of 2020. And if we look at, let's say the Met Museum, the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City is one of the most visited museums in the world. Um, They were closed for about 202 days, allowing no visitors into the building. Yeah, and (laughs) as a result, They projected a loss of around $150 million in revenue. And that's just one institution.
2: That's crazy.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Attendance dropped for just the Met um, about 83%, and they only saw about a million visitors. And we think a million visitors is a lot, but when the Met is usually averaging about 10 million visitors a year, um, that's way less. And attendance dropped worldwide at museums about 77%, which makes sense because people weren't going outside. Um, but the the biggest problem is, is when people aren't visiting museums, they lose money. And when they lose money, they have to cut jobs. Um, the Met cut 20% of their staff. Um, so we're talking about now people losing their jobs, artifacts, not being taken care of, um, things in human cultures not being preserved or studied and, um, that's kind of a, a massive loss
2: yeah for sure i know uh i know a lot of places around here in st louis shut down most like everywhere else went total lockdown uh and i feel for those people that have lost their jobs due to this pandemic uh i know it's really hard just to <clears throat> suddenly just be out of a job uh but so if you lost your job sorry to hear about that um just keep grinding we can make it through this uh (laughs) so in a world that's more and more becoming technology-based and more internet-based um more kids are looking to watching tv shows and such why do you feel like a museum is still super important
0: Yeah, it's a great question. In a world that's becoming increasingly digital, it's important to remember where we've been as we continue to move forward. And I think museums are a really great way to do that.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think uh, museums still share that type of art and that type of, sorry, my dog started barking for some reason. Uh, Yeah, I think it's super important that that they still have that sense of history and that importance of uh, just stuff from our history, um, just that we can share, um, that you can't get anywhere just from watching TV. Uh, There's something special about going somewhere and seeing stuff that can't be seen anywhere else. That and Um, actually
0: seeing it in person.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know I have a lifelong dream of wanting to go to the Louvre in France. Yeah. Uh, So I think that would be awesome. My wife's been there. Lucky her. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's one of my lifelong goals. So uh, moving right along here. Who do you feel like you've directed your book to?
0: I have written this book for regular people honestly, it's the truth. Um, I wanted to write something that I thought my friends would want to read um, and not feel like obligated to read just because they were my friends. Um, And the public response to the book has just been really great. I wanted to write something that was equal parts educational and entertaining. So that is kind of the end product that I landed with. I have something that addresses, well, so the book is broken down into seven different parts. Now don't let that um, scare you off because it's not a long book. It's, um, <laughs> it's average length. But the seven parts are based on the seven different kinds of people that might take an interest in some form or facet to museums. So those seven different parts are the novice, um, the historian, the curator, the skeptic. So this is someone that might you know even hate museums or not even understand why they exist or understand why they matter. Um, you've got the businessman, the activist, and finally the enthusiast, which is me. So that final section is like me wrapping up my personal thoughts and uh, feelings and musings. But um, there's all different kinds of things to consider when it comes to museums. And so the novice addresses um, questions really like, what is a museum? What's the point? Why do they matter? Um, And then you start to think about, well, what kinds of museums are there? And that's the historian. So we think about um historic museums historic house museums art museums natural science and history museums there's a lot of different types um so i give kind of a general overview of those and then you know we can get into once we've established that information we can get into deeper stuff like um how do curators create exhibits um how do museums acquire the objects in their collection and why does why do certain things have more value than others or how is the value placed on them and um Ethical issues with some of the objects placed in museums that have arisen, especially in the last decade. So there's a lot of different stuff going on um, in this book, but it's really written for just the average person who has maybe, hopefully, set into set foot into a museum at least once in their life.
2: <laughs> yeah, that sounds that's really intriguing. Uh, just seeing how it's broken down into those different uh, different sections. Um, really, really piqued my interest. So I'm really interested in reading your book now. So Glad to hear be, it. be sure to go check that out. Uh, like she said, you can find it all on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. So be sure to go get your copy and let's read this book together. And maybe we can even talk about it more once I read the book.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Always love talking about the book.
2: So uh, what would you say you're most proud of? With being an anthropologist and an author,
0: oh, that's a really great question. Uh, very profound question. <laughs> I, um, you know, I could say I'm really proud of myself for publishing a book at you know the the ripe young age of 22. I guess is how old I was when I published it. Maybe I was 21. I don't remember. But that's awfully young for a person to publish a book. And um, I'm confident in my work. I feel good about it, and uh, that's something that I'm proud of for sure. The next biggest thing, of course, that I'm really proud of is the work that I do that ultimately helps other people, um, especially in finding their own humanity, realizing their full potential, um, making the world kind of a better place, one positive impact at a time.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I know just being able to impact the world through your writings and through sharing your knowledge that somebody else may not know is really, um, it brings a sense of community. Uh, Absolutely. So it's very, very exciting. Uh, another question, uh, what, where would you like to see your field or say, uh, museums and, Stuff like that be in five to 10 years in the future.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, if I could have it my way, I, I will say that um, 2020 b- brought a devastating impact to the museum industry. Um, so, in the next five years, I would like to see it brought back to its former glory, former state of well being. Um, and then the next 10 years, I'd like to see it doing even better than that. Um, I would like to see museums really engaging the public, getting that visitorship that they so deserve, um, and employing staff persons that are fairly paid <laughs> for the work that they do.
2: Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think that'll be great. Um, I know it's tough right now, and it seems like there's no end in sight, uh, but I feel like we will bounce back from this. Um, it's just a minor setback, and there have been minor setbacks before, and We'll bounce back from this even stronger than we were uh so be sure to go check out your local museums once they open up guys and make sure you're being safe uh but just go out there and enjoy it uh maybe you'll learn something you've never even thought you would uh i know that i have a lot to learn even as a young 25 year old so yeah there's still plenty of stuff for me to learn so uh So I'm just looking over my notes here. Uh, What would you say is your favorite, uh, say, artifact from where you work?
0: Ooh, my favorite artifact. Wow, yeah. That's not something I've considered. That's a really great question because usually people ask me like, "What's your favorite museum?" and I'm like, "How could I even begin to choose?" <laughs> uh, it's like asking me to pick my favorite song. Right.
3: Um,
0: but my favorite artifact, you know, it's probably going to be something that particularly impacted me. I mean, there are plenty of famous artifacts that are out there in the world, and then thinking about why they're famous makes it even it's even funnier. Um, but for me. Gosh, one of my favorite artifacts is um, there's this particular fossil in the Museum of um, Natural Science and History, the Houston Museum of Natural Science, Um, and it is a fossil that is probably seven feet tall and three and a half feet wide, and it is of these millions of years old sea lilies back when before dinosaurs even existed that's how old this fossil is and there's something about it that's just so beautiful like it looks like a piece of art that you would want to hang in your house and I think there's something to be said for kind of the marriage of art and science in that moment um, and history for that matter that makes that uh, artifact particularly special to me.
2: Yeah for sure Uh, I know a lot of history and art uh just through our natural history, um, just really is like a piece of art. Um, if you were to uh, be in a room full of aspiring anthropologists, uh, museum curators, um, just people that want to get into um, the museum scene, what, what do you have any advice that you would give to them?
0: Yes, I do. Because you know what, they're is a real need for people to work in the museum industry and I think all too often I hear the same story from museum professionals that is very downtrodden and negative and I would really love to hear a change in that narrative and so I would encourage people um, to pursue careers in the museum studies field with the caveat that don't pigeonhole yourself to just a degree in general museum studies Um, Really get down and think about what it is about museums or about anthropology, because they're both very broad fields, fields, get down and think about what it is that appeals to you about that industry and hone in on that because there are such a there's a plethora of job options to choose from in both fields when you think about a museum, um, the first thing that people think about is curators. But that is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to all of the different people that it takes to run a museum. You also need people like accountants and engineers and um, guest services and exhibit designers, architects, museum educators, teachers. There's all kinds of things that you can do. And then, you know, just getting into anthropology with the four different um, fields that I mentioned earlier And then there's just a plethora of opportunities within each of those fields. Um, So for the aspiring anthropologist and or museum professional, I encourage you to think critically about what it is that has drawn you to that field to begin with.
2: All right. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I know uh, I haven't really thought about museums. As entertainment and then you sent me a message and was like hey this is entertaining and i was like you are correct it is
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah museums play so, a huge part in the entertainment industry especially in tourism and bringing in money for cities
2: right right yeah so uh i really appreciate you coming and talking with us a little bit and uh opening up a door that i never really thought through um just opening that and picking my or letting my mind run for a little bit Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I know I never really thought about anthropology much and I was a little concerned I was like oh I don't know what that means it's a big word (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I mean I'm really intrigued I'm really excited to go check out your book so be sure to go check out her book Uh, Mackenzie thanks for coming on I really appreciate you coming
0: Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure.
2: Yeah, for sure. We'll look forward to reading your book and look forward to stuff in the future. And we'll possibly have you on in the future.
0: Would love to be there.
2: Yeah, of course. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Isaac Gammon's here. Have you guys heard about Anchor.fm? If you haven't, allow me to explain a little bit. If you've ever had the feeling of wanting to start your own podcast but didn't know where to start, Anchor is where you need to go. It has creation tips and tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast at one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Once again, that was Mackenzie Finkley joining the show Thank you so much for coming on. We really enjoyed talking to you. We got one more interview for you guys this week. We're going up to New York with Nerdy G. Links to all the interviewees, websites, books, projects. will all be in the description and on our Instagram page tomorrow. So be sure to check that out. I hope you guys enjoy this interview with Nerdy G. Nerdy G,
3: what up, man? Thanks for coming on the show hey thanks for having me man really appreciate it
2: really appreciate you coming on and we're just gonna sit here and uh talk a little bit about your music and just what you're trying to convey through your music so uh i guess first question is how did you get into doing music
3: well you know uh when i was younger my uncle was really into it uh he just he did it all the time and he would write and record well he wouldn't really record himself but he tried to record himself and he after he was done he'd come and he'd rap or he'd sing to us and after seeing him do it so many times i just got into it something i i just love to do
2: yeah for sure uh i love how certain people in our lives can influence uh, some of the stuff that we get into i think that's great um what what would you say are some of your major influences in your music
3: uh major influences have to be everybody i mean. Everybody I listened to growing up, you know, freaking Ice Cube, all the, you know, DMX, rest in peace, freaking Jay-Z, all those guys influenced me. A lot of the people who, when they perform, when they perform or their raps and stuff, it just is real, you know, it's not fake stuff, it's not made up, it's, it's actually coming from, you know, what they went through and I don't know, that's just something that I've always been about.
2: Yeah, definitely. I uh, I really appreciate artists when they don't just cater to what the world wants them to say. Uh, how they just convey their own message, and not conform to what the world is wanting them to say. Yeah. You know, they come through with their own style, their own way of performing, and just getting their own message out. I think that's really huge. Yes, and yeah. and that's the good thing about music, uh, is that you don't have to stay in a box. No, uh, sure. You can you're free to go out your own way. So in your music, uh what would you say is your type of like genre sort of like feel?
3: Uh uh if I really gotta think about it, um it's more indie, I guess. Like kidding kind of in a way. as how, how I like to, you know, think about my music. My music is more um, you know, I, I could rap about everything else that everybody raps about. I could rap about the drugs. I could rap about the guns, the women, you know, the money I could rap about that easy, but I feel like, you know, that's, that's not who I am. That's not the person. That's not what I'm trying to bring. So I, you know, I try to rap about stuff that people can relate to.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, personally, you hear all the trap rappers now, uh, Mumble rappers, mm-hmm. they're, they're just out there making noise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, it's just, uh, just a bunch of noise. I mean, some of it's good. I like, no, vibe. Yeah, yeah. I like vibing to some of it, but just yeah. sometimes you need that message. No, straight
3: um, up. a lot of kids listen. You know, a lot of kids, you know, young kids, listen to their stuff, and I don't know. I don't feel. I feel like they need more. Yeah. the hood, the ghetto, this, that, and then and everything. You know. Right.
2: Uh so talking about your type of music, your indie style of music, can you take us through some of your or how you go about writing music?
3: Oh, so, yeah, uh, what I was saying, freaking um, I'll, if I have to pick a beat or, if you know, somebody gives me a beat, I'll freestyle on it for, you know, a little bit. And once I get the the route I want to take or the direction that I really want to go in, then that's it. I just start. I go off from there. Just right. start. I start writing like crazy. And if, you know, if it doesn't sound good or something like that, I'll, you know, I, I write, I write a lot. I try to write as much as I can. Right. And then, then I'll try to like, then I'll put it on the music or record it stuff like that. And if I, I got to change something, then I got so much, I got other stuff that I can you know put in or I don't know, comes to me. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, it's, that's the beauty of music once again just yeah. the ability to piece things together and that's the form of art uh no straight up that we love about it it's just that you can blend so many different things mm. you can start one day think it's terrible scrap it and start yeah. again <laughs> and, and it's just fun um, uh yeah. you could oh. collaborate with anybody who would who would you pick with you
3: oh i'd love to collaborate with j cole He's, he's one of my favorites right now he he he's got the environment the atmosphere and everything that I would love to love to collaborate I'd love to collaborate with Jay-z or anybody really in rock nation I think that would be awesome uh, freaking a uh, bunch of them if I could get ice cube in the studio that would be awesome <laughs> freaking snoop even too I don't just I think a lot of the guys that I listen to or, or, or ladies, you know, or that I have listened to, I would love to do a track with them for sure. I think it would be awesome.
2: Yeah. Uh, said J Cole, I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, he's really, he's one of those artists that keeps pushing messages out. Uh, he's always got, he's not just out there making a beat or he's not Mm -hmm. just out there making a trap song. He's out there trying to influence people. Um, which I think is cool. Uh, does a fantastic job. He's a very good lyricist. Oh, uh,
3: best, I tell you. And That's honestly, <laughs> he puts
2: on a fantastic show. Um, oh, yeah. watched him on TV at the NBA All Star Weekend. It was oh, yeah. phenomenal.
3: No, oh, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Kendrick Lamar, he's another one too. That it would be out of this world to do a track with him. Oh yeah. Or even mm-hmm. just to sit with these guys and talk to them you know just to get their mindset and something would be amazing
2: even just to sit for like an hour and pick their brain would be mind-blowing so do you have any new music out that uh, we should check out or
3: uh at the moment i do not i have my ep coming out may 4th it's a three-track ep uh just small to start out with definitely gonna have some more stuff out there though um yeah but for as of right now all my grind is all i got out just you know I didn't want to uh, overload myself. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
2: <laughs> so we'll be looking out for that EP. and 100%. We'll put. Definitely
3: look out for it, I promise. <laughs> yeah,
2: we're excited for it. Uh, is there, where where can we find you on social media? Like, where can we connect with you?
3: Social media, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. I'm on SoundCloud. Um, I'm on uh gmail i'm, a, I'm on a, as much as i can be
2: okay he's everywhere people there's so, <laughs> the nerdy g everywhere <laughs> so if you're looking for nerdy g he'd look everywhere you should be able to find it on one split at least yeah <laughs> you know, whatever
3: you use you'll be able to find me i promise <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> so
2: uh we talked about you uh what influenced you to start music uh what accomplishments do you want to achieve in say the next 5 to 10 years uh
3: i want to i want to be completely honest an accomplishment of mine would be to have somebody come up to me and thank me i mean i don't want i, don't, I i'm not asking for the thanks but just to come up and be like for my music to change somebody's life would be an accomplishment for me you know or to to help somebody with something that they needed, you know, to be able to put my track on or one of my tracks on and just be able to escape the problems of today or anything like that. That's really what would be one of the biggest accomplishments for me. It's not about the money for me. It's, it's not about any of that. It's about, you know, just trying to get my stuff out there and try to make a difference, a good difference in somebody's life, no matter how small it could be.
2: Yeah, I think that's awesome, man. I mean, I applaud you for that. Uh, lots of people nowadays are just going at it for the money um, I mean. and just money, the fame, the girls, you know. Yeah. Um, and that personally, that's garbage, <laughs> <I> do, <laughs> for, I <know>. for lack <laughs> of a better term. Uh, <laughs> like, I, there's so much more you can do with that. You're trying to get oh, on 100%. a stage and just do it for that. Uh, when you can be out there changing people's lives and um, meeting people from around the world oh uh, 100 percent. i know that's one of the things i really enjoy about doing this podcast yes. is talking to different artists and uh like uh, i you bet know, you different people, people around the world it's amazing crazy so where where are you located at i didn't really
3: i'm, uh, I'm at the northwest corner of connecticut
2: okay so, so you're try on the, right, on the right east there. coast
3: yeah, I got, um, I'm, I'm in Connecticut, but I got New York five minutes up the street. I got Massachusetts five, five minutes up the other street.
2: <laughs> there you go. Right there. <laughs> yeah, the,
3: we're we in the woods over here.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, we just talked to a New York artist uh, last week, Sim Campbell. He was oh, yeah. on the show. So if you cool. haven't checked out that episode, be sure to go do that. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So, uh, but yeah, uh, do you have any ob- ho- other hobbies? outside of music that you enjoy to do just to get to know you a little bit more?
3: Oh, um, I work on cars. I do it for a living, but I also do, it is a hobby of mine, you know, something I, especially you know, older, older vehicles. Um, I, don't, I don't really do too much too. I'm kind of boring. <laughs> <I> hate <laughs> to say it. Um, well, uh, right. I got
2: a 99 GMC Sonoma. If you want to come change my oil, yeah, oh, I got you. <laughs> 99? <Ooh. laughs> Need to get that done. <laughs> uh, so, go back to your music, uh, what strengths do you believe make you a great musician?
3: A uh, strength of mine that I could think about is just being able to, um I'm not stuck in a bubble to where I can only, like, I, I believe I can't, like, I can only perform, like, to certain genre like i'm not stuck just to hip-hop or just to rap you know i i can ch- my i could change my flow to where if um a friend of mine or a country singer wants me on a track or something like that i i could find ways to work with it you know i don't like to class my classify myself as just being a hip-hop artist if that makes any sense
2: yeah for sure uh i, I think that's great about people too it's me personally, I love all music. Mm. Uh, I could go listen to a country concert, then the next day go to a rap concert, then go to a bluegrass festival for like two minutes because yeah. that's not really my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> but like I would do it because it's music. and no, 100%. It. So, yeah. Uh, sorry, I got a little confused with what I was going to ask about next. <laughs> uh, so what what is your favorite part and least favorite part about being a musician?
3: My favorite part is doing all the work, you know, to be in the studio, you know, day or week after week, on, or however long on one song or an EP or whatever. Like just the work you got to put into it. When you when you hear that final result. I think it's amazing if it's exactly how you pictured it in your mind to be after all that work to hear it and you know be proud of what you created I I think that's amazing it's one of the best feelings in the world
2: yeah of course for sure Uh, just that sense of pride and the fact that you created something that's yours and not Mm -hmm. somebody else's Um, I think that's huge so yeah I totally agree with you on that one uh if you could describe your music and say three to five words
3: what what would you use i'd use smooth (laughs) um uh interesting um personal um um uh, i'm not really
2: sure
1: <laughs> no
2: uh, pressure didn't want to make you think too hard
3: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no, i've never I, I guess i've never really thought about
2: it. yeah yeah uh so say you had a room full of aspiring rappers singers and mm-hmm. what if you had to give them some advice, do you what would you have to share with them?
3: I tell them to be themselves, a hundred percent. Don't try to cater to a certain person or people, you know, um, because people are gonna like what they like, and not everybody's gonna like it, obviously. But if you go out there and be one hundred percent you, then I I think that that just means a lot you know there's a lot of fake out in the world there's a lot of um stuff that isn't real and a lot of catfish and stuff like that i think when you can fully be yourself and be proud of what you can do then nobody can tell you anything yeah for sure
2: Uh, so if any of you aspiring musicians out there needed some advice to really get you going just do it. There's those words. Just do, do it. it.
3: Just do it. <laughs> just do it. No, Don't you're let it not, not too young, because you know any gap. Sure. You, you know, so just do it. If you love it, do it.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. the great thing too. Is if you go for it, then you you did it. You can't yeah. say that you didn't you do say, it.
3: Exactly. And uh,
2: if you fail, so what? Try again.
3: <laughs> yep.
2: That's I think that's really important. Uh, yeah. man. all right so going through talking about your music and as an artist uh if you had one message that you wanted to tell to your fans what 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 would you say to them
3: i tell them i love them i love every single one of them i love them all for supporting me and that i'm gonna keep doing the best that i can for them you know for myself but for them too you know i want you know as as much as i keep the fans happy i'm going to be happy
2: for sure that's i mean fans are the p- reason we do music and oh, just art uh without them there's nothing uh we can't do it i mean there's no point in doing it uh, you I always mean, want to
3: show somebody too you know you always yeah, want when you do something sure. you're proud of you, you want to show somebody and you know They're the ones that are gonna, you know, keep it alive too. And you know, say, I'm gone, you know,
2: yeah, for sure. The
3: ones gonna keep it going,
2: yeah. I think of uh, some of the artists that have gone past this past year, Mm. uh, Juice World, and uh, I know he would, and then uh, Nipsey Hussle, and all these people, uh, DMX, rest in peace to all these guys, uh, just. Their music still lives on. Oh, it's going
3: to live on forever. And
2: through their music, they still live on. And yep. I think that's really powerful. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, it just really speaks volumes that music is music. And you see different people, even on TikTok, just listening to different kinds of music. Yep. Um, everybody's using the same sound. Uh, yep. So I think that's really cool.
3: So, yeah, it, bring, it brings people together you know yeah and that's
2: the whole goal that's the whole uh per, i feel like that's our whole purpose in music and art and such is just to bring each other together um see, see different sides that we've never seen before 100%. and just be able to make a community out of it i think that's really fun
3: yeah
2: so going through the pandemic I know it's been really crazy here. Um, (laughs) Not really a lot of uh, music scene going on. Uh, How are things up in Connecticut? Like, what's different?
3: Uh, Well, starting to open. Stuff is starting to open up now to where hopefully the music scene will start to come back alive more. I know um, some places are doing, like, very small stuff. But it's been rough. It's been really rough. You know, COVID was no joke. Is no joke.
2: Huh. yeah for sure let uh, just I hope people are staying out there and being safe still uh, so I, but i really want to get back to live music oh, no. <laughs> i'm, I'm oh, dying to go God. to a concert oh, and just know <laughs> have a great time <laughs> been sitting in this house too long <laughs> uh well, Talked about that uh musical plans what do you have any concerts that you want to be doing in the future performances
3: uh um i i think for for my first ep uh i'm gonna try to perform at least any anywhere i can um anywhere that will you know that is allowing it to be done i'm not too sure right now um on the specifics on any of that um but i'm hoping you know I'm hoping to be able to perform in some places.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll be looking out for your first EP. Uh, yeah. Be sure to go check that one out, guys. Like we said, he's everywhere. So
1: <laughs> just,
2: <Yeah. laughs> just Google it and you should be able to find it. It shouldn't yeah. be a problem. Uh, man, thank you so much for coming on. I really hey, enjoyed man. talking I with really
3: you. I appreciate you having me, dude.
2: Yeah, of course. Uh, We look forward to your EP. We look forward to new music you bring out and just continuing to move the music scene forward. So I want to say best of, best of luck to you, my man.
3: Hey, thanks man. And
2: we'll check back in with you later.
3: Hey, thank you. Take it easy. Have a good one. Lucky land casino asking people, what's the weirdest
0: place you've gotten lucky
1: lucky in line at the deli, I guess in my dentist's
0: office,